0: Initial load time performance is definitely important for some applications. There are also other things that are important. Developer experience is a really important piece and accessibility is a really important piece as well. Tooling is also another important piece. So finding the balance between all these is critical.
1: Hi there and welcome to Pod Rocket. I'm your host Paul and today we're joined with Miko Pitcher. Welcome to the podcast Miko. Hi Paul. So, just jumping right into why Miko's here. He's the head of product over at Angular and we're going to be getting into Angular and like the new fifth version 15 stuff that's come out. We're going to talk a little bit about the state of Angular and I'd love to pick your brain about like where are the product's headed and what we have to be excited about. Um, yeah, as as a head of products, like what is your involvement? With the team, like what are the types of decisions? Like, do you help lead like where the product's headed, and like what does that role entail?
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. I work closely with our engineering team that is developing the framework and uh, developer relations, which, like, technically, I'm still managing uh, and documentation to just like set a common theme based on the feedback we get from users and decide what what Angular would look like a couple of years from now. And Jeff, just make sure that we're following this direction, going after it with some manageable steps that are reducing the
1: risk for developers and for the product. Have you been in the um, product lead role for Angular for a while now? Or have you been with the group and slowly been kind of progressing up? I guess uh, I've been mostly involved in engineering capacity
0: over the past kind of many years now. I've been involved in Angular and some way since 2012. Back then it was JS and I was part of the community so I was writing a lot of code in my spare time for fun to uh, build modules that people were interested in and speak about these modules at conferences. After that, when I joined the team, I was really interested in developer relations because this aligned really well with my interests. So um, I kept doing what I was doing in my spare time as a Google employee. And uh, Doing developer relations, I get to write a lot of fun code. For example, build Angular dev tools. I also get to talk to a lot of developers at conferences and online. We're running different surveys and uh, communicating with folks on social media. So I got to understand developers pretty well. Also, being an Angular user and a React user before that for my startup, I got to get some good understanding of the frameworks landscape and uh yeah recently actually that's about 10 days
1: old role that matter right now is uh leading the product 10 days wow so you're really uh, do you feel like you're still like sinking your teeth into the, the, like the whirlwind of what's going on in the plan or like i i or like because you've been with the group for so long you're like okay like i understand what's going on okay you're shaking your head to the ladder so maybe more of the ladder
0: yeah, I've been doing that work in some capacity for a while now, and now just things are a little bit more formal. What also happened is that I expanded my the scope of my role a little bit, so I'm supporting some internal frameworks as well. And uh, yeah, I just there is a lot of a lot of things to learn. There are so many design documents that I want to read, and like so much experiments
1: that I would like to make. So uh, that's what I've been doing mostly over the past two weeks. Gotcha. So, version 15 just came out. So that came out like in the thick of you really formalizing your new position, right, as the product lead, Angular version 15.
0: Pretty much, (laughs) yeah. Actually, I think it happened a week after. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, Minko also has. There's a YouTube video of him giving a talk on Angular as well. If you want to go check that out, if you want to get more into more into details, version 15 in in particular. Um, But what are, okay so I read some things about version 15 and what's happening we're getting new image tags you guys are working on some server side rendering stuff right um what is the thing that you're most excited about in the new feature set
0: Yeah the thing that I'm the most excited about will be probably the least gra- glamorous one it's just better error messages this is uh at least like exciting feature, I guess, from public perspective because, well, just your error messages are getting better and nobody really loves error messages. But that's something that is impacting our developer experience every single day for like dozens of times. So I find this one to be particularly exciting and impactful. Um, one of the features that shows where the framework is heading the most is us graduating standalone components from developer preview. Now the APIs are stable, which means that we will not be breaking them. We will be keeping them, evolving them, like following the same schedule as the rest of the Angular API. So every six months, we're releasing a new major version in which we may introduce some breaking changes and make the update as smooth as possible without automated like scripts for automation. I guess these two are probably the, these two together with the directive composition API. Thinking more about it which is an API that allows you to reuse different, to reuse code. Like you can think a little bit about it as multiple inheritance in a way or compo- or uh, using different mixins, but without the bad parts, because we are introducing a compiler support in Angular that makes sure that you're not getting all the headaches that you'll be getting with multiple inheritance.
1: So, yeah, yeah, we got, directives are still like kind of a foreign thing in, in my head, so I'd love to hop into details about that a little bit more in the future. Um, but ever messages, yeah, those are huge. I mean, let's look at the Rust community really quick. The reason why Rust is so awesome, I mean, the, one of the number one things is that compiler. It'll scream at you, but like, awesome stuff. It screams music, right? So you really know where to look as a developer. Um, I think that's gonna be huge from, you know, as somebody who's like toyed with Rust a little bit, it was like really useful learning the framework. I mean, for people getting into Angular, I'm sure it'll be highly impactful for those people because getting an error message when you can't even like get a circle to spin on the screen is like huge and telling me exactly where to look. Um yeah. What was that like a multi person endeavor? Because you probably needed a visit. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds like huge. It sounds like you need a visit.
0: Yeah. Well, We worked with Chrome DevTools to enable this. What, I, what makes me the most excited about this feature is that we enabled it for Angular, obviously, but also for other frameworks as well. It's very common to get an error in your application and you see one call frame that is related to call that you created, that you altered, and all the other call frames are framework related. In the React case, it's going to be something around the reconciliation that happens. You're going to see some fibers there. In, in Angular, uh, a lot of the Angular's runtime and together with ZoneJS and JS potentially, if you're using it. And it's super cryptic. So we had to work with Chrome, develop like a plan on what exactly we can improve together. They had to get an understanding of Angular, and we had to get an understanding of parts of how Chrome DevTools works, and uh, figure out whose responsibility is to fix what, <laughs> and just get the work done, which happens surprisingly fast, in about a month, I, I guess. We got everything up and running, and uh, we were able to make it to
1: announce this part
0: of version fifteen.
1: Awesome! What that's exciting to look forward to. Um, another thing you guys got coming is the image tag, right? That's something. Yeah. Yeah, the image. Oh, so that's a directive. Okay. Um, so, what is the big bang with that one? Like, why are people so excited about it?
0: Uh, just to just to give a. Quick background on what the directive is. Directive is, you can think about it as just some TypeScript code that enhances the behavior of an HTML element. So in this case, you have an image, and in the code that is associated with this image, the image directive, we are guarding you from making some common mistakes, let's say, when loading images, so that we can ensure that you're getting the best... Core Web metrics, so the best performance you could get. We're also giving you some hints, like looking at your image, and if you're not preloading it, but it is part of your largest contentful paint, let's say we're going to give you a hint and say, oh, looks like you haven't preloaded the domain where your image is coming from. Maybe we, you want to do that as part of your index.html. So that's just one example. We're also preventing you from uh, getting regressions for cumulative layout shift, which means that When your application loads, it's possible in some applications that the image just expands and gets bigger, which is pretty annoying. Yeah, so we're trying to reduce this number, the cognitive layout shift. There are a bunch of different optimizations that the image directive does, and uh, that's another example. Uh, We couldn't do that alone because even though we are experts in web development, we're not really experts in how browsers work. That's not our job. So we worked with Chrome on introducing this feature as well.
1: It kind of reminds me of uh, being a Next.js user of the image tag in Next.js. You know, it kind of safeguards me from a lot of things. Uh, It makes it easier. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. So, do you think there's any features that you're looking at right now uh, that maybe other frameworks don't really emphasize that you're excited about, or things that might kind of carve out a new field of excitement for people looking in Angular at version 15 or the next iteration of this version that's coming up?
0: Yeah, I'd say the directive composition API is something that is just... Imp- we have a compiler that does all that, all that magic. i will say maybe Svelte can implement something similar because of the compiler that they have, but it's just like a constraint of the language. And since we are adding extra semantics to JavaScript through our compiler, uh, that's... Uh, call to use pattern that is unique to Angular. The things that we are planning to do from here are just make the Angular change detection faster and easier to use. It is already fast, pretty fast. The call that we're generating is very optimal. The challenge for us is that we're running this change detection a little bit too frequently. Otherwise, we have reduced the memory consumption. Uh, we are reducing the CPU cycles that are needed to perform change detection over the entire component tree. What we're doing now is to make sure that we are running the change detection only when really necessary, and we're running it only over the affected components. So these are some of the things that we haven't been doing efficiently. Uh, That's part of our reactivity effort, where we are exploring what would be the most optimal reactivity pattern for Angular itself. This will lead to significant improvements over the application's performance, and also would allow us to, to figure out dependencies across the different components at runtime. So we can eventually look into a more granular lazy loading by automating this lazy loading after uh, the application has been server-side rendered.
1: Is that, does this relate to sort of like the possibility or resumability, I should say, of that's being toyed with right now in the space?
0: Yeah, well, we have been having resumability at Google for about ten years now, there is a framework that I am I'm, I'm actually working on right now uh, in my like fraction of my time that powers a lot of technologies like uh, a lot of web a lot of web apps like uh, it powers Google Photos, search, Drive, and many others. And um, we have we're pretty familiar with this space. And it works really well for these products. So we would like to see whether, that because it's all trade-off, like it provides great loading of the web page, but also sets some constraints on how you're developing your application. You can do things that are really like scopes to the individual components, and you have really well-defined rules that you need to follow so that this code splitting can work. Because JavaScript is a very dynamic language. From one component, you can mutate global state, and this is already going to break this resumability. So we are trying to evaluate the trade-offs. We want to make sure that we're heading to the right direction, whether resumability or partial hydration or just regular hydration is the right thing to do. That's one of the other things, another project that we'll be looking into in 2023. We are looking into reactivity, seeing how this impacts the hydration story of Angular and re-evaluating evaluating what hydration or resumability pattern is the most suitable for the framework. And for the users, of course, that's...
1: Right, yeah, in the end, it it sounds like you're, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like your team is in a really um, good position right now to sort of uh, objectively evaluate what the best direction to move in um, for this interactivity piece is. Like, you're talking about, yeah, should we, like, focus on resumability? Should we focus on, like, this or that? Do you feel like, you're in this state of being very malleable and listening to feedback, like a decision hasn't been made yet and, and you're still scoping it out for 2023?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. We are constantly we're like looking for feedback. I spent a lot of my time doing that and uh, enjoy chatting with developers, for sure. Uh, it depends, yeah, the The, the direction we'll have to depends on a lot of factors, for sure. Feedback from developers is number one. We also make sure that we have like... A, smooth transition path. Maybe not the whole Angular is going to work, let's say, with the most efficient hydration strategy. So we we'll like likely enable it for sub, for some subset of use cases. Also, we have very close collaboration with this internal team that is building the WIS framework that I mentioned earlier that has been used to increase your mobility for close to 10 years now. And uh, we would like to see how we can learn from some of the lessons that they have learned over the years. So yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting space. Uh, Alex Ricabal and uh, Jeremy Elburn from my team they recently did a talk Angular Design Review ten years later. That's that was kind of a, a unique opportunity that the framework has been existing for over ten years now. In it was Angular JS now it is Angular, but um, this has first great. Uh, implications on the learning that we have had over the years, and also shows like some commitment. We would not evolve the framework in some like crazy direction that uh, pushes users away. So we need to be careful in the decisions that we're making.
1: Um, I yeah, it's it's great that you're listening. It feels like slightly less opinionated than some other frameworks that are like this is how we do it because. You're gonna like you're in the state of deciding. It's a really good time for people who are gonna be interested in Angular want to use it to actually give you feedback and help influence the direction. Um, I'm just asking about resumability. I'm really curious about what the current Angular team is thinking about because um, Mishko, who we we had him on a PodRocket episode recently, he's working on the Quick framework, and you know Mishko helped write Angular. He's the guy, and he's all about this. Resumability concept now in the Quick framework. And it's like, this is how it's done. Like, this is how Quick handles things. This is how it picks apart the DOM. So I just wonder if you guys are going to move in a similar direction of like really embodying that development style. Or yeah, I guess you're still deciding uh, which way to move. Yeah, I'll say that's for sure
0: very important for one aspect of building a framework. Uh, performance, initial load time performance is definitely important for some applications. There are also other, other things that are important. Developer experience is a really important piece and uh, accessibility is a really important piece as well. Tooling is also another important piece. So finding the balance between all these is uh, critical. Definitely, also uh, depends on what the goals are uh, of the, of a framework. If the goals are to reach this super performant use case def- uh, for loading an application, that's definitely people could be using something that is really highly optimized for this use case. For example, in the Google's uh, world, we have search, which is obviously, it's critical to load as fast. It is using WIS, this other framework that is really well optimized for like resumability and initial load time performance. It even doesn't do server-side rendering in JavaScript because a variety of reasons, but uh, one of them is performance. This means that we need to be able to compile templates to another language so that we can perform faster server-side rendering. Like th- There are just a lot of trade-offs, and uh, very much depends on the goals of the framework. I'll say resumability is powerful for uh, initial load time performance, as Google and Mishko is proving right now. And there are many other things
1: that are important for developers. Yeah. Okay. So you're really like gotta consider the whole basket of things. And I think a you know, a lot of people that are still getting into web development that maybe aren't opinionated yet, that's music to their ears. (laughs) That they're, you know, still still a place where their opinions can be heard and listened. Um so for the speaking of like like people using Angular and embodying the framework, I think in the past five years. Or seven years or so, we've had like some people stray away from Angular or companies like bigger groups in general. Um, I'm curious why you think that is, Minko. Um, yeah,
0: for a rising reasons, uh, I've seen that also. Well, I've seen both cases, I guess. If you look at npm, Angular has been growing over uh, over this whole period of time. So this means that there were more people coming to Angular rather than people leaving Angular. Uh, we. We have been. uh, We could have done better job in definitely in in some aspects. Like we spent about three years after we released Angular, we spent about three years rewriting Angular to implement, let's say, a new rendering and like compilation model. And in the meantime, we didn't ship any significant features that people have been asking us for. So I'll say that. And that's pretty much on us. We shouldn't have done such a project, which didn't, which wasn't really too well scoped. That's um,
1: unbounded, sort of.
0: Yeah, yeah, it had like kind of a scope creep. That was we initiated before I even joined the team, I remember being at a meetup looking at this preview of the project and I was super excited how small the hello world application was, but you know, like the small, the hello world application was small, but there were all these other factors that we need to think about as well. And I'm not sure we spent enough time into doing that. And uh, uh, yeah, that, I would say that's, that's a big part of the reason, um, this project Ivy, which now is paying back. That's, we were finally able to take advantage of Ivy, but it took us 3 years to go through the stage and this frustrated some people for sure in the meantime folks were using vue engine which was a previous version of angular that we were not really maintaining actively like it was working it was stable but it was not providing the features that people were asking it for and even though it looked like the exact it looked exactly like ivy because we tried to keep the exact same public interface the internals the internals were different, so we weren't able to advance both versions at the same time. And uh since 2020, we finally shipped Ivy. That's kind of the one good thing that happened in 2020, uh with like you know COVID and everything else. Uh yeah, now we're evolving Ivy and we'll be growing the framework from
1: here. But you feel like the Ivy project was necessary to give you the platform to build these this new feature set off of?
0: Oh, I'll say it was was necessary. It just turned out to be a way bigger project than uh, we were, like the team was originally anticipating. Gotcha. Because we're committed to preserving backward compatibility, and uh, that's not the case for all the frameworks right there. Even though everyone is doing their best to keep their framework backward compatible, just... uh, not everyone has this monorepository with thousands of applications that are kind of keeping you honest that you back that your application is backward compatible. Because if we sometimes we fix a buck and we break a test in the monorepo, which means that we have made a backward incompatible change. So we need to
1: plan the changes that we're making to Angular really carefully. So do you think that if people might have been like confused with the direction of Angular, whether it be for, from the Ivy project or whether it just be from decisions with all these new frameworks coming out in the past five years, if there's somebody that might identify with being in that boat, would now be a really good time to look at Angular with version 15 and reassess and say, like, okay, if I'm building something, is this like something I should restart with? I'm, you know, because I'm, like, a React guy. I came into web development in, at my age, right, when React was really kind of, like, taking off. So I'm wondering, like, do you think now is a good time for me to go back and, like, go read the docs again and say, like, what's up with Angular? Like, should I hop into it?
0: Well, it depends on your preferences. Everyone has their own. People feel really strongly about syntax often. I see how in the React community, people really love functional programming, and it has definitely, definitely, it has the simplicity associated with it. And it's good for tree shaking and stuff. Uh, if uh, someone is really attached to this functional style of programming, maybe it's not the right time for them to have a look at Angular right now. If they would like to see how, if they would like to like explore another more opinionated approach, they should definitely have a look at Angular. And the changes with in version fifteen—they're kind of like a stepping stone for other set of features we'll be developing in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. The first one will be reactivity so change station will become way faster <laughs> I uh, um, we should come up with some like benchmarks to be able to back up my my uh, statement but uh, I'm pretty confident in this and from there we'll be re- revisiting also like server side rendering we have had support for server side rendering since I believe 2016 but uh, it has been kind of like a lot of opportunities for improvement there. For sure. Developer ergonomics, I would say it's not great. Um so there will be another set of improvements in server side rendering in 2023. In 2024, we'll be revisiting whether it's still whether the current way we're developing components is still the right way, relevant for uh the current state of the JavaScript ecosystem. Are classes the right way to go? Uh do should we use strings as templates? Should we use like HTML templates or something else? We'll be looking into this and clearly the voice of the community will be really highly appreciated here.
1: So 2024, there's going to be a lot of maybe um, developer experience and syntactical reassessment of the framework.
0: Yeah, a lot of syntactical reassessment for sure. That's the current plan. Like we'll see what's happen- what happens with the recession. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, who knows? Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? Of course. Are you guys um, working with any other exciting groups that are bringing uh, features to Angular or vice versa?
0: Oh yeah, yeah that's another very exciting part of my job uh, for I've been organizing some tech talks for the Angular team so that we can learn from each other. I had uh, we had a, as guests um, Ryan from Solid. I really love Solid by the way that's it's uh, one of my favorite frameworks for sure. We had um, uh, Rich Harris from Svelte. We had Evan New, who gave us a talk about Vite that inspired some updates in the Angular CLI. Also, we're working really closely with Chrome, as I mentioned. Chrome is one of the main like influencers in the web space, I guess. Uh, we worked on this improvement in the debugging pipeline and we um, you know, also the image component. We'll we'll continue working together in 2023 to improve server-side rendering. Constantly working with Firebase, we had really fun collaboration with TensorFlow.js that I led like a a year ago, where we explored how we can use machine learning to predictively prefetch JavaScript
1: or content from our web page. That's wild. I've never heard of that until this podcast. That's really cool. Oh uh I did that
0: before I joined Google for like an experiment. I can share it maybe in the links.
1: ML po- powered lazy learning.
0: Yeah. And with with uh that's in JS and with TensorFlow we built something we be, we built something a little bit more like let's say robust, uh which is also a little bit harder to use. Where we take data from Google Analytics based on this data. Through like a series of through like a pipeline of uh, transformations, we built a TensorFlow.js model that we run in a service worker, which tracks where the user goes and based on the uh, information, we make a prediction which resources they will need next. So we prefetch them and put them in the service worker
1: cache. That's wild. Hey, it, hey, so if anybody wants to look at that, it's guess JS for any listeners on GitHub. Uh, you can go search it up. Um, Minko, If do you post online about updates and decisions that are being made at um, within the Angular team, like if anybody wanted to follow you?
0: Yeah, I would recommend to follow the official Angular account, which is like twitter.com slash Angular. We have been very active on YouTube recently as well, so check youtube.com slash Angular. For my personal takes, which are not necessarily always representations of what the Angular team thinks you can check uh twitter.com slash m-g-e-c-h-e-v and i guess that's it
1: that's it <laughs> i guess that's it folks that's some <laughs> stuff right there all right miko thank you for your time and you know hopefully we will get some people excited about version 15 who are listening to our podcast today